I was reading an illustration that really struck me. A preacher was preparing a sermon, as preachers do, and he posed this question to some of his friends on Facebook. He said, what makes it hard serving both God and other people? One answers they gave, serving is hard when it doesn't fit into my regular schedule or plan, like when I want to go for a walk, take a long bath. But my aging parents need me to sort to their needs and run after errands and do simple things with them. Another said, it seems to be hard because it seems to be endless. I don't want to risk helping and serving because I may get sucked into something beyond uh, being swallowed up by serving gets uh, and not getting to the things that I think I need or should be doing. Another person said there's limited energy left after demanding workday, meeting our own basic responsibilities, whether that's young kids or in the corporate world. How to balance your needs with the rest of your self-welfare with serving others. But his favorite answer was, what makes serving other, serving hard? Others. Jesus gave us the example for serving. And what's fascinating to me as I began to look at this, it's not quite what many of us think. And so I want to talk to you about serving. Philippians chapter 2, beginning in verse 5. Paul writes and says, you must take on the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. Although he was God, he did not think it, uh, did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privilege. He took the, uh, took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. When he appeared to Appeared in human form, he humbled himself to the obedience of God and died a criminal's death on the cross. Therefore, God has elevated him to a place of the highest honor and gave him a name which is above other names. I want to talk to you firstly that one of the problems that we face is we are very creature comfort minded people. We are very position and award-minded people. This is a problem that people face, and this can bleed into Christianity. Everybody wants to think they're special. That's just life. If you don't believe that, it came down one time, there was a flight uh, that had been canceled, uh, and so the people were uh, told to get in the line, and they would be rebooked, uh, and so one man uh, storms to the front of the line, uh, and he says, uh, I demand I get on the plane, do you, don't you know who I am? And the lady at the counter very pickly, calmly picked up the mic and said, excuse me, ladies and gentlemen, there's a man here asking me, do, do I know who he is? I don't. Does, do any of you? Because apparently he doesn't know who he is. And in shame, he bowed his head and he walked away. 
That's the mentality of many people face. They face uh, in time, they uh, think because they have a talent uh, or because they have some money or because they have uh, a length of time in a place or position or in service or they have a title or some kind of uh, 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 way of saying that this makes me uh, lift up, that I'm somehow better, I'm somehow greater, I don't have to serve. This is a problem that people have. You see it in many different ways, titles, money, talent, uh, positions, whatever it might be. They think, well, I'm okay then. I get, I get a pass. Jesus said, called his disciples together in Mark chapter 10, verses 42 through 45. He said to them, you know that the rulers of this world lord over people. Officials flaunt their authority over uh, those under them. But among you it will be different. Whoever wants to be leader must be your servant, whoever wants to be first among you, will be slave of everyone. For the Son of Man did not come to serve, but to serve, to be served, rather. Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve others and give his life ransom for many. Some look at it as if I was in charge, if I could be the one to tell people what to do. I've got it figured out. I know the way it should be. They go on and on in all of this. They want to tell you this is the problem with social media and talk radio. They want to put out there that they've got it all figured out. I've mentioned before Tony, Bo- Tony Blair, who was Prime Minister of England for many, many years through the mid-90s and through uh, uh, the 2000s, uh, made the statement that Labour, his party, like uh, uh, they would be similar to the Democrats in the United States, uh, that their party had been in opposition uh, and for, seven, for 27 years, uh, and for 27 years, It's easy to criticize. But when they actually had to put together a government, he said, man, that was hard. That was work. That caused responsibility. Philippians 2 and verse 9 in our text says, God had elevated Jesus to the highest place of honor and name above every name. God doesn't mind having people in places of authority and honor. Never bothered him. Doesn't bother him. Psalms 75, 6 and 7. For no, uh, for no one on earth, from the east or from the west or from the wilderness, should ri- raise a defiant hand or fist. But God alone judges. He will declare who will rise and who will fall. God doesn't mind having people in charge. That's not the issue. He's, he's not like, well, we are, we're all equal. We're all just worms. We all, yeah. That's not what he says. Pastor Mitchell used to say, you do not understand the kingdom of God if you don't understand hierarchy. You don't understand that God puts people in places. That's not his problem. But in, the t- in our text, he doesn't rise people because of a want for power or he doesn't do it because just because they have special talents and abilities. He does that for the cause of His kingdom. His purpose. See, service in the kingdom of God is serving God first. 
Paul writes to the Galatians in chapter 1, verse 10. Obviously, I'm not trying to win the approval of people, but of God. If pleasing people were my goal, I would not be Christ's servant. He says, you know what? There's people who think, if you're going to serve in the kingdom, I get calls all the, you know, time to time as a pastor of a church. People will call, I need money. They're, they're not even subtle about it. I need money. I need money. Like that's the purpose of a church, is a welfare organization. Now, I don't mind helping people. I think helping people is a good thing. Paul, Paul, the apostle, when he met with Peter, despite all of their arguments and disagreements, the one thing they could agree on is help some people in need sometimes. That's a good thing. But the problem is their mentality of some of these people is that that's what the church is there. To subserve me, to be what I need, to give me my... And a lot of them are very, if you will, unrighteous. They've spent their check on alcohol, lottery tickets, cable television, whatever, and now they don't have enough food or rent, and now that's supposed to be the church's responsibility to take care of it. People have their idea of what a perfect servant would be. One church wrote this, said, as you know, there are many churches in need of pastors and recruiting programs. But because of the advancement of technology, we've made an algorithm that takes most of the qualities that churches need and put it into a search. The following eight characteristics have come up as people have identified what the perfect minister should be. The perfect minister should be able to please everyone and meets everybody's needs in the church uh, without exception. The perfect Minister should speak and stand for truth, but never upset or step on anyone's toes. The perfect preacher should preach inspiring sermons on Sunday that make you cry, laugh, think deeply about everyday life, and manage to get you out in less than an hour. The perfect pastor would uh, be work from 8 in the morning till 10 at night and do everything from preaching to sweeping. The perfect pastor is 36 years old and has been preaching for 40 years. The perfect pastor has a burning desire to work with the youth. He spends all his time with senior citizens. The perfect pastor smiles and a keen sense of humor while keeping a straight face and seriously to to talk about delicate things and and do all tasks. The perfect pastor makes 15 uh, 15 calls on church members a day, uh, spends every free moment evangelizing non-church members, but can always be found in his office. The exciting thing, the software said they were able to find the perfect pastor, but unfortunately he died at 32 of burnout. Right? People have their mentality. What, what is a servant? What does that look like? But our text gives us the, per, the perfect picture of what it is. Jesus asked Peter a question. Peter's failed the Lord. He's gone back fishing. He calls him to the side and he pulls him aside and he says, Peter, do you love me? And Peter replies, of course, you know I love you. He says, then feed my lambs. He does this three times. 
to bring out the three times that the Lord had died, uh, that Peter had denied the Lord, and brings him in to restore him. Let's think about the mind of Christ here. This is talking about, in our text, you must have the same attitude, or in some translations, the same mind that Jesus Christ had. Here's the King of Kings, the Lord of glory, the creator of the universe, whom we all rebelled and sinned against him. We all are the ones who violated him, not him violating us. People will blame God. Why did God let this happen? Why did you sin? I've had people with lung cancer tell me, why did, why did God let this happen? Well, you know what? God didn't put the first cigarette in your mouth. He didn't put the 35,000th cigarette in your mouth. He definitely didn't keep you smoking for all those years. You chose. People blame God for all sorts of things, but here's God coming and humbling. The first thing we see is that Jesus' heart was to serve the Father's purposes in the earth. He humbled himself, it says, in obedience to God. Jesus came to serve, which would flow out to other people, but first and foremost, the purposes of God. People will point to their good things. Oh, I helped an old lady cross the street. I did. I had a relative who, uh, this guy, uh, uh, you know, he was, let's just say, I knew his lifestyle wasn't Christian. My wife and I, when we were dating, we went over to their house and I witnessed to them. And he pointed back, this is, this is 1987 or 6 when we went over there. 1986. We go over there. He points back to something he did in 58. Well, I was good once. I helped somebody once. And this is what some people do. This is where Christianity often fades into religious works. They build orphanages. They build hospitals. They send missionary teams over to build camps. When I was in Lithuania, there were teams that would come from good denominations, good saved people who have a heart's desire to help people in other places. And they'd come over and they'd simply build buildings... They'd come over and print books. I actually ran into a man who was from the uh, uh, Campus Crusade for Christ. They send missionaries all over the world. They raise up money. Some of them are really good people. This particular group had translated a very good apologetic Christianity book called More Than a Carpenter into Lithuanian. Spent thousands of dollars uh, printing and translating, checking and double checking. And then I found all the books in a basement. They had probably passed out a couple of hundred and had tens of thousands of these books sitting in boxes in a basement. But they would raise their flag and say, we did a good work. We served We did. This is the mistake people make. Service starts with obedience. That's where Christ started. He obeyed 
God. He didn't look at his divine privileges and say, don't you know how long I've been around? You've been around for how long? I created the universe. You have some talent? I created an eyeball. Right? He doesn't use that. So the first thing in service we have to ask is, how is your service to God? Are you doing what God wants you to do? Because as Christ came and became a servant, he didn't go around washing everybody's car or donkeys in those days. That wasn't his job. He didn't set up a babysitting school, you know, uh, so that mothers could go out and have coffee. He didn't do Those are fine service. And we read in John 13, Jesus did wash the apostles' feet. Why did he do this? Again, humility. He told them in verse 7, you don't understand what I'm doing now, but someday you will. This was not a lesson in that we should watch every, each other's feet. Some churches have foot washing services. I don't know. I preached recently on how beautiful your feet are. Yes, I get it. To God, maybe. But what's the point behind it was to teach them that they would have to remain humble in their service. Don't count position, time, as somehow that makes you privileged to get away with certain things that would never be acceptable in your service before God. He goes on to say in chapter 13, in the first washing, he says, Since I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you ought, to, you ought to wash each other's feet. I've given you an example to follow. Do as I've done. And I tell you the truth that, you are, that slaves are not greater than their masters, nor are messengers more important than the one who sent the message. It's not just about making everybody happy. It's about making God happy. Jesus didn't make everybody happy. I don't know if you know that. That's why they crucified him. But he was doing what God wanted him to do. This is what we are called to do is, uh, how is your service to God? Would he be pleased with you right now? Gordon MacDonald wrote, in ancient days when the king of Siam had an enemy he wanted to torment and destroy, he would simply send the enemy a unique gift. A white elephant. Albino elephants were very special and considered sacred in that culture. So the recipient had no choice but to initially care for the gift. But the the elephant would take an inordinate amount of the enemy's time, money, energy, emotions, and resources... That over time, the enemy would, be dest- would destroy himself in the extreme burdensome care of this gift. It is where we get the term, the white elephant in the room. 
It is absolutely amazing. Wow, you know, you need you, people, you, you, yeah, really. Is that the call of the church? The first ministry was called to be servants for the purposes of God. Acts chapter 6, we read that the 12, the apostles had a meeting and called the believers together. And he said, we, the apostles, should spend our time in the word of God and not running a food program. So brothers, select out seven men who are respected, full of the spirit and of wisdom. And we will give them to this responsibility. And so the apostles can spend the time in prayer and the word of God. Peter's saying, you know what? We have responsibilities not to people but to God this is not an illegitimate need that's fine but it's not what we're called to do so this is why I ask you again your service before God first Corinthians chapter 12 verses 4 and 5 there are different kinds of spiritual gifts but the same spirit is the source of them all there are different kinds of service but we serve the same Lord. Matthew chapter 25, Jesus tells the parable of the, of the sheep and the goats, which again isn't really a parable. But he makes the statement, he says, They will reply, Lord, when did we see you hungry or a stranger or naked or sick? are in prison and did not help you. The same thought here, the warning goes to both of these groups, but one responded, one didn't. And he judges them on their service. Now, let's think about this, because personal service has its limitations. There are people in here, you cannot, you just physically can't be on outreach. You work, you're physically not able to go, you're, you're not able to do a certain task. You may not have a position in the church. But there are certain levels that you, as a believer of Jesus Christ, can do. You're the one who can meet certain places in your personal life. I can tell you something we all can do. We all can pray. We all can pray. We all can serve in our own capacity. The devil sometimes torments people because you're not doing. You're not doing. You're not doing. And that's a constant recording he plays to some people. This is the opposite side of the privilege. You're not. You're not. You're not. You're not. Well, maybe you're not. Maybe you can never be. But what could you be? What could you do? You could pray. You can serve in your own way. There are certain people that just coming to church is a sacrifice. Jesus marked a widow who gave two mites in the offering. Turned to the Pharisees and said, she's done more than you all. Why? Because she was doing something that served her when others were just giving out of their abundance. Personal service means you do what God wants you to do. Ephesians 6, 5 through 7. Slaves, obey your earthly masters with deep respect and fear. Serve them as you would serve Christ. Try to please them 
At the same time, not just when they are watching, as slaves of Christ, you do the will of God from your heart, work with enthusiasm, though you were working for the Lord himself rather than for people. This is actually, to put it in a modern setting, he says, employees work for your employer as if you were serving Christ himself. Now, I know you might work for Damien. I know you might think he's, he or she, you know, rides a broom to, ch- to work instead of a car. I actually did see a bumper sticker that said, as a matter of fact, my other car is a broom. I thought, <laughs> scary thought that you would put that on your own car. <laughs> or maybe she didn't and someone else did and she hasn't seen it yet. I don't know. Those were the two things I, that ran through my mind. Right? Maybe you work, but your responsibility is to work for God. Your service before God. This means daily lives, seen at work, it's seen at home. It's not just seen when you come to church and have a position, it's seen in every way. Romans chapter 1, verse, uh, Romans chapter 16, verse 1, rather, I'm sorry. I commend to you our sister Phobia, who is a deacon in the churches at Centuria. Now, this would freak out some Baptists because they use the term deacon for what we'll actually talk about today is the council, right? And so how could a woman be on the council? Freak out some church. That's not what it is. That word means servant. We looked at this for a number of weeks. This is her service. She's a servant to the churches of God. Paul is going to list 28 different names in in Romans 16. Couples that have risked their lives, that have done, but it's all been for the purpose of God. The purposes of God in the earth. She served the Father and the kingdom. The other mark that's on Jesus that's very interesting is humility. Humility in our text, let's read it again. You must have the same attitude that Christ had. Though he was God, he did not think it equal, uh, he did not think of his equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privilege. He took on a humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. When he appeared in the form, in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on the cross. Therefore, God elevated him to the place of the highest honor, giving him a name above every name. The word to humble literally means to empty yourself. This is where we get the opposite term, they are just full of themselves. It is actually the opposite of of humility. This term is a perfect term of our generation. The selfie generation. The influencer generation. We actually met a girl. She was a scary girl. She really was. She was 15 years old. She had befriended my daughter in Lithuania at the time. She would be in her 30s today. 
and said, you know, what do you want to do when you grow up? I want to be a social media star. Like, she was serious about it. I want to, I want to, you know, and she was, she was pretty. She was a cute kid. Uh, she was a wheeler dealer too. She had actually talked her way to get back into Lithuania, even though her U.S. passport had expired. Absolutely amazing at 15 years old with nowhere legally. She did it. I don't know how she did it, but she did it. See, this is why Christians need to be full of the Spirit. Because you will be full of something. Full of yourself, full of something else, or full of God. Jesus was full of God. One man said, I surveyed my church in their relationship between serving others and serving God and their spiritual growth. When I... uh, and to, I asked the question, what extent does your ministry or service affect your spiritual growth? 92% answered positively. And none of the applicants, or none of those interviewed, had said it had a negative effect on their spiritual growth. 63% indicated that their service was equally significant to their spiritual growth as compared to other spiritual disciplines such as Bible study and prayer. 24% of the respondents said that ministry and service to others had been more significant factor in their spiritual growth than Bible study or prayer. Over half, 58% of those who were not actively ministering to others felt that they were not satisfied or only somewhat satisfied with their spiritual growth. So it's very tangible and interesting that your heart towards serving God is going to play out in your spiritual growth. Jesus denied himself. He put his own glory aside. He put his own titles aside. He put his own will aside. And he said, I'm going to do this for others. He humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death. Let me tell you, He was misunderstood. When you serve God, you'll be misunderstood. It's going to happen. People will accuse. People will say. People will crucify. You know, whatever. It's going to happen. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 6, there are those who give, there are those who pray, and there are those who fast. And some do it humbly, Behind the scenes. And God says I'll reward them openly. And there's some who come. And they do it very openly. Now this isn't saying we shouldn't have prayer meetings. We shouldn't have public, you know, times of church fast. He's not saying that. We shouldn't take public off. It's not what he's saying. What he's saying is that some people, they only do it for men. They only do it to be seen. They only do it so that others would note them. He says, they'll have their rewards 
but it won't be from the Father. Matthew chapter 13, verse 12, For whoever has, Tim, more will be given, and they will have abundance. And whoever does not have, even that will be taken away, that which he has. Pat Tillman was a football player. He had actually graduated the University of Arizona and had been drafted into the NFL by the Arizona Cardinals. So he was going to be a hometown hero in 1998. He was drafted into the NFL. He wasn't a high pick. He was picked 226 out of 241, but still... Five months later, he became the 5'11", 200-pound, became a starter in the safety position on the Arizona Cardinals. And they went on to win, and he eventually got offered a $59 million contract to become a free agent and go over to the... Super Bowl winning St. Louis Rams at the time, but he declined saying he was going to be loyal to the team that drafted him. Two years later, September 11th, 19, uh, September 11, 2001 happened. And Pat Tillman felt like he was wasting his time playing football. He turned down a $3.6 million scholarship and joined the United States Army as a ranger. He went over, he made a salary, by the way, of $18,000 a year. Turned down $3.6 million to serve. He went over tragically in friendly fire. On April 22, 2004, Pat Tillman was killed in Afghanistan. Of the memorials and different books have been written about him, the former Cardinals head coach, Dave McGinnis, said, Pat Tillman represented all that was good in sports. He loved his purpose in life and proudly walked away from a career to a greater calling. That's what Jesus did. Went to a greater calling. To be the Savior. To save us. To serve us. Not in the way many of us think we should be served. Because preachers will tell you. God came to make you rich. God came to make you happy. That's not what Jesus came to do. He came to do the will of his Father. That's why he prayed in the garden. Not my will. But yours. See, if you try to just make people happy, you'll go nuts. You'll go nuts. Because you know what? What will make them happy today won't make them happy tomorrow. That's not what we're called to do. People will get upset with evangelism. Oh, well. Why'd you witness to me? You ruined my whole day. Well, you know what? Better your day be ruined and you be in heaven than you have a good day and go to hell. Sorry. Right? People have their mentality on how they should. The Bible tells us that God exalts people like that. And the honor that comes, comes from God, not from people. God is faithful to take care of those who serve him. 
Moses chose to leave Egypt, to go to the, you know, forced out a little bit, but he served the people of God. Now the name, if he had simply remained the son of Pharaoh's daughter, we wouldn't know anything about him. He'd be lost to history. Joseph served in prison. He served that when the opportunity came, he went from prison to prime minister. Solomon, in his prayer, he prayed, God, give me wisdom so that I can serve these people. God said, I like that better than you asking for the lives of your enemies or for riches. Our text says, therefore, God elevated him to the highest place of honor and gave him a name above others that at the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue shall declare that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. He still did this all, not to bring glory to himself. Oh, look at me. Aren't I great? He did it to glorify the Father. That's service. That's genuine service to God. And I ask again. How is your service to God? Because that's what God looks at. And he'll bless those who he's happy with. He'll help those who are giving themselves to his purpose in the earth. Let's bow our heads for just a moment. That's the God we serve. He came for you. You might think that God owes you or God should have or God did or God didn't or whatever. But God came so that you could be saved. Primary service number one, that you could become a Christian. That you could be forgiven from your sins. That's why he humbled himself. The Bible says that God commanded Jesus's Death to show his love. Romans 5, 8. That God said, this is your purpose to go to earth. Not to make them rich or happy or fulfill every desire they have. But so that they could be saved. That's the wonderful glory that God wants to give us. Salvation. His purpose was for that. You're not right with God. You're not saved. You're not born again. You're not right with God. Or you were at one time. and You backslid. You walked away. There's a God in heaven that wants to take you back. Maybe you're here this morning. You're not right with God. You're not saved or born again. You're backslidden away from God. You want prayer. I wonder if you'd slip up your hand and say, Pastor, would you pray for me? I need Jesus Christ. I need to get my heart right with God. Very quickly, slip it up. Say, I want to be right. I want God to help me this morning. Anyone at all, very quickly. Changing the call then to Christians. Our service is to be service to God, first and foremost. To keep a humble, to not be full of ourselves, our opinion, I'm right, I'm this, I'm that. 
but to be full of God. Let God help us in his purposes and his place. That God will raise up. He doesn't mind putting a stamp of approval on that. But it's always going to go back to his glory. His purpose. His praise. His kingdom. Because that is what Jesus came to establish. Let's all stand. We're going to open up these altars. Allow people to talk to God.